welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 144 for Saturday the 16th of March 2019. Coming up on this week's diary, it's on. I signed the contract for my military sci-fi collaboration this week. I can now share the details with you at long last. After much dithering, I'm finally rebooked in to 20 Books Edinburgh and why I'm tweaking my writing plans once again. Let's start with this week's word count. When I signed off from last week's diary, I said to you that I was 5,000 words into military science fiction book three, and that it seemed remarkable to be saying to you that by the time we next speak, I will be up to 25,000 words of that book. Well, I hit the targets. I've done the writing and uh, we're up to halfway through book three now, which seems remarkable. So on Saturday the 9th, after I recorded the diary, I wrote 5,487 words. Last Sunday the 10th, I wrote 5,086 words. Yesterday, at the time of recording this, I wrote 5,085 words. And if there were ink to dry, the ink wouldn't have dried yet on today's writing, because I just finished writing five minutes ago. So Friday the 15th, I've just written 5,124 words, bringing this week's writing total to 20,000 words, 782. Or what's that? 20,782 words. That's a better way of saying it, isn't it? So um, the book is flying, as you as you, as you can tell. No problems uh, with the story. Uh, when I write, I'm not writing on Saturday. I am writing on Sunday. That'll take me then to 30,000 words of that book. And I will hit the kind of save the cat uh, low point in the book, you know, the kind of moment of crisis. And uh, that's all beautifully set up and, and ready to go. So um, at the early parts of this book, I did have a plan, which I, I wrote over Christmas for the for the trilogy. I did have a plan, but I have veered from it a little bit. I've kept the kind of core story, but I, I realised that the plan wasn't really detailed enough around chapters two, three, sort of four, five. So I, I've kind of invented lots of fun and games, as they're called in Save the Cat, around that. And it's all nice and action-packed, and it's all as per military science fiction. I really quite enjoyed writing the scenes, to be honest with you, coming up with more and more outrageous and ridiculous uh, scenes for my Marines to participate in. And I've just left it on, on quite a tense scene too. So when, when it gets to that stage, and, and I have, I've set up now the, the kind of the big crescendo of the trilogy. To a certain extent, it just has to play out now. Uh, so I, I'm not anticipating any writing problems now as we go to finish this book. Um, I'm writing 5,000 words on Sunday. I'll be writing Thursday, Friday and Sunday of the following week. And then I do the last 5,000 words of this book on Thursday, the 28th of March, after which I'm just taking a couple of days break because I, I figure I've deserved it uh, at that point because we'll have written three uh, military sci-fi books uh, in between when I got back from Spain, which was mid-January and the end of March. I've also been doing some editing this week. So I'm writing book three. I'm editing book two. Um, I will complete my first pass of book two on Saturday. Then I'm going through it all over again. Um, it was, to be honest with you, I was going through it and there's not a lot, uh, in it. I've sort of been writing at speed, but it's fairly accurately. I got the story down. I'm really just, uh, tweaking and tuning. 
And of course, the story will go to my collaborators and then to an editor. It's got, it's got a lot more passes to go just yet. But in terms of it leaving me, you know, when I, when I do my kind of first edit on it, I, I've kind of reached the point of, right, okay, the story's good now. I've done as many kind of corrections and tweaks and continuity errors as I can catch. It needs a fresh pair of eyes on it now. So I'm giving myself uh, the two weeks that it's taking me to finish off book three to finish editing this. I've got a bit of a broken week next week. Uh, for various reasons, and then um, I will pick up the edit to book three once I finish the edit to book two, and once I finish writing book three. So it's all beautifully coordinated plan. So at long last, I can tell you who I'm collaborating with. We, um, I, I sort of thought I'm getting so far into this book now, we really need to tie this down. And we got the the contract sorted and signed last weekend. So I could re re reveal the details of this military science fiction collaboration. Now, this collaboration is being done with John and James Evans from Imaginary Brother. And a lot of you who attended 20 books and are in that community, you'll, you'll have seen um, John particularly participating and if you're into sci-fi uh, you may well have uh, seen John pop up you know on various uh, podcasts he he was actually interviewed this is the, the actual beginnings of this well when I interviewed John in episode 125 of the self-publishing journeys podcast now I met John at the Travelodge reception at 20 books last year so this is February of last year and uh, John was the gentleman who when I was I was checking in at the Travelodge um, there was somebody who just checked in ahead of me waiting by the door. And and when I was speaking at reception, I, I could have quite clearly, you know, got his attention for whatever reason. And he waited for me to check in and then introduced himself. And he'd, he'd listened to the podcast. And, and actually, John Evans wasn't the only person that weekend who uh, recognised me from a voice just, just from being on the podcast, which is just one of the remarkable things about uh, doing podcasts and, and my career in radio, that often people recognise you from your voice rather than your face. Uh, which is very interesting. I don't know whether that's a good or a bad thing. But anyhow, John introduced himself and I, I, I got to sort of talk to him at 20 Books last year. And then as, as as I did a lot at 20 Books, I said, we need to talk. I want to interview you. And we finally got around to it. I think it was um, before Christmas of last year. And when I was interviewing John, he was telling me about his world and his books and I was and, and his influences. And we were sitting there and I was saying, yeah, oh, you know, this stuff really excites me. This is really my zone. And it was sometime after, I think, that John dropped me a note to say that him and his brother uh, James were were thinking of of collaborating would I be interested in and to be honest with you I knocked it back straight away and as you've heard me say on this podcast I said I, I generally prefer to work alone um, I don't play well with other people and you know, it makes me sound like I'm some kind of a lovey or something you know I, I, by, by not playing well with other people uh, I don't mean that I, I don't you know, I've worked in management for, for yonks and managed teams, and I, you know, I work with teams. But but often in my own stuff, I I, I tend to be a lone ranger. I've I had a couple of um, not brilliant experiences when I was doing internet marketing, where I was where I was working with the wrong people. So I'm I, I very wary of working with the wrong people. I think that's sort of fair fairer to say, um, because you know, if you get kind of caught in a contract that doesn't work very well, it's it's not it's not brilliant. So. I, I sort of batted it back at first. And then as I, I began to think about it, and John and James released their books and they were successful, and I write science fiction, as you know, and I just thought, you know what, what, what have I got to lose from trying a collaboration? I'm hearing so much about collaboration, particularly through 20 books, and it seems to work really well for people. You know, I, I like what John and James are doing. Uh, they're writing in my zone. I had been reading through the Chris Fox books about writing to market and 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 
I know John had been through that. That's why they've gone for military sci-fi. Military sci-fi is my kind of thing. I've I've never written my previous sci-fi book specifically to market, but they have many, many military sci-fi elements in there. And, you know, it just kind of dropped into place. And I said to John, uh, and I can't remember when it must have been before Christmas, wasn't it? You know, I'm going to do this. I'll read your books and then let's move towards this and let's do a collaboration. So um, we, we've kind of been, you know, messing around, just sorting out the, the the terms of the contract. It's only an informal contract. It's more a kind of memorandum of agreement, if you want. There's nothing terrible in there. You know, like the mafia come round and will, you know, take your firstborn if you don't write the book. It, it's a fairly informal agreement. It's mainly about um, the number of books that will be delivered. Uh, the nature of the contract in terms of royalties and who pays for what, just tying down the basics of the arrangement. I've done these many times before in internet marketing, so it's a perfectly straightforward kind of non-legalese agreement. And that's really been the delay with this, is that we just haven't really um, you know, managed to get that into words that we both agree with. Not that there's been any disagreements, it's just, we just haven't got around to it because we're all busy writing books. Um, so I, I pushed it a bit last weekend and uh, we got to the contract. We signed it online using an online signing service and we're good to go, which means I can now tell you about this. Now, the other thing I'm relieved about is you, you, you've heard me saying I've never written as fast as this before. Uh, you know, it's a first time for a collaboration. It's a first time for me writing directly to market and it's the first time for me writing as fast as this. And you've heard me uh, not moaning, but commenting that it wouldn't be my preferred site. It's very fast. It's very intense. Um, I don't sort of enjoy it as much, even though, as you can tell, I mean, the writing gets done. It's just, it's just like, it's like a first world writer's problem, really. Uh, if, if I was earning good money from these books, as I said to you last week, sure as anything, I'd be writing them fast and I'd be banging them out. Um, so, so if, if I were just asked to express a preference, I would say to you that I, I prefer to write at the pace that I have been doing rather than this pace. But, you know, if, I started to make money and that money depended on how fast I was getting these books out. I'd be shooting these books out one a month, just as I have been doing. Because, you know, in terms of first world problems, it's really not that painful. It is really just a, a preference. And um, one of the things I had been thinking of, you know, I would quite like a break after these books. It has been very, very intense. And I think it, it's probably the combination of writing and editing at the same time. Because, again, when I've edited in the past... I've kind of written the book first, then done the editing. I've always had a kind of cool off period. So it's just felt like I, and, and it's true, I've never had a day um, virtually since I got back from Spain when I started writing these books where I haven't been working on the books in one way or another, even though I'm often out um, doing a day's work three days a week as well. So that's why it's felt quite intense. So I had been thinking, I think we had, or I had been talking in terms of two trilogies plus maybe a standalone because that's what I could have fitted in before summer. But when, when we got to the contract, John James had put um, an initial three books and you know, when you're, you know, you're kind of dithering and you're, you're thinking about things in your head and then uh, an option comes up and you think, do you know what? That, that's it. That's absolutely fine. And in, in the contract that James sent over, it just said, um, First commitment is three books. Um, the three books that I'd outlined to them over Christmas. Uh, James put the title in, in the contract and, and that's it. There's no more, no suggestion of anything else. It's just a delicious contract, three books, rapid release, get them out and see how they go. And when I saw that, I thought, Do you know what? That's absolutely fine by me. You know, three books. Let's try them in a new genre. Cause I'd said to you last week, I'd been listening to the science fiction fantasy podcast and they'd been saying, you know, don't, don't kind of commit too much because if, if, if it, if it dies, you're committed, you're committed to all this writing. And all of a sudden, when I got that contract, I thought, do you know what? This makes perfect sense. It's three books. Let's try those books. If the books fire and people love them, 
I'll get back and I'll write another three, but we'll do it on the basis of success rather than conjecture. Um, and so in many respects, that was a great relief to me because it means that obviously I'll have the last book written in March. I'd already done the calculations because if you remember my overall plans for the year, my plans are to rapid release these books. And I think these will be, I was talking to John and James, we think they'll be ready. We want to get the first one released by 20 books uh, to 50k in Edinburgh because it's just a nice kind of timing. And that'll be an opportunity for us three to meet up and see each other's faces for the first time rather than chatting online or, or over Skype. So um, it'll be a nice little meetup for us. We'll have a first launch, you know, the launch will be going. Uh, it'll be a coll- first time collaboration for all of us. So we'll have something to discuss and something to talk about with other people. 20 books just feels like a really nice target to try and hit with the first release. So those aren't going to go till July, pr- probably um, July, August, September. I'm planning on the rapid re-release of my thrillers from September. So that timing is beautiful. Um, you know, we, we get the kind of, we, we get those books out the way the military sci-fis and then I start to rapid re- release my thrillers. And remember with the thrillers, the books are already written. Uh, they're just getting new titles, uh, revamped blurbs and uh, new covers from Stuart Bache. So it's the perfect time to kind of tested those, that trilogy, and then to decide, you know, whether I'm writing a three or whether we just rested at that because they haven't really sort of flown. They haven't been massively successful. So that all feels very exciting to me. It, it, it all fits beautifully into place. Now, there is one more thing that could change what I do. Um, after writing these books. And, and again, I got an email about that this week. And I'm hoping, hoping again, I can't talk to you about that just yet, but I'm hoping that I may be able to give you a clue as to what that potential prospect is as well fairly soon. But that also um, took a step forward this week. Um, and that will confirm finally what my plans are um, for writing uh, the next books. But at the moment, say that doesn't come off, say, say we park that and it doesn't happen. We'll get the military, the three military sci-fis out. I'm planning at the moment to not write during April, but to finish my edits on uh, the military sci-fi books, uh, my first edits before they go to editor, and to plan a thriller trilogy. And I'm currently planning to write two thriller trilogies between, well, during May, June, and July, so before the summer holidays, two 75,000-word thriller trilogies. And then I will either get straight back to military sci-fi after the summer holidays in September, or I will write the third book in that thriller trilogy. I'm aiming, when I begin to rapid release my thrillers, I'm aiming then to drop that thriller trilogy somewhere in that rapid release cycle. So I've got a lot of irons and a lot of fires. And the other thing, of course, to bear in mind is that I'm waiting to see whether I get another book bub on the grid. And I was quite surprised to see the the sales of my grid trilogy have been good. So I was quite surprised when I was looking at my planning document to see that I'm allowed to submit. And I have to check this because I'm still questioning it in my own head now. Um, I, I've got penciled into my calendar that I can resubmit the grid for a book bub on the 9th of um, what is it? April, the 9th of April. And that seems a bit soon to me, but when I think about it, that grid book bub was before Christmas. So that date must be right. It has to be six months since we did that grid. But the sales of the grid have been, have been good. They've been, you know, not really good, not fantastic, but they've kept my kind of money, my income up over six months. And, and, and the grid, when you look at my best sellers, obviously, as you would expect, the, um, the, the grid has been my best seller since we did that, um, since we did that kind of promo on BookBub. 
Uh, it's now been replaced by the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, but the, the, the books two and three in the grid are still getting that long tail effect from the book bub that I had at the end of last year. So, um, you know, that's been good. It's, that's been a good little book bub. But what I'm hoping to do is, is, um, I can submit, um, the Secret Bunker book one could be submitted on the 20th of March. That's next Wednesday for a book bub. Uh, they don't seem to like that one. That keeps getting knocked back. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But, you know, assuming that gets knocked back, I could then try the grid again on the 9th of April. So what I'm hoping is that I can have another book bub, either one or two book bubs, two would be fantastic, on my existing science fiction books. I mean, that really would be great for cash flow if I could manage to land two, one for the secret bunker and a second one for the grid. And what I'm going to use that money for is to review and revamp those books and to, to put phase six and my existing sci-fis into a branded uh, series of books because I did tie them all together in the end. They weren't written that way originally, but when I was writing the grid, it came out of the secret bunker world and phase six links them all. And there is notionally a time travel based, um, final trilogy in that series. Um, but I want to kind of, uh, if I get the income in to get the covers and maybe to just get a little bit of editing work done on book three of the grid trilogy, which was the one I was never quite happy with. I, I had trouble with that book. Um, my editor and my wife keep telling me that it's fine. Uh, but I, I felt that I did too much show don't tell at the end of that book. I was almost telling myself the, the story and I think I could come back to that and write that better. I was happy with one and two but I got into trouble with book three and I, and I just really for my own self-satisfaction would like to kind of have a re-edit of book three before I then relaunch the trilogy. And you know, the secret bunk has been done. I was always happy with the grid one and the grid two. If I, if I gave uh, book three an edit, I'm happy with phase six as well. So it's really just the grid book three. And then if I had the money to put the covers on them to make them look like a series with the same sort of design and branding, I could then um, rapid release those as well, a rapid relaunch those as well. But that depends on if and when, if really being the operative word here, if I get more book bubs on my sci-fi and I can cash flow the cost of the covers. To be honest with you, one, one book bub would probably do it. Two would definitely do it. It would pay for a a full kind of re-edit when I'd done my re-edit on the grid three, a complete revamp of book three plus covers on seven books. Uh, so one to two book bubs would cover that. So th those are my kind of plans. Roughly speaking, July for the uh, beginning of the rapid release of the military sci-fi, uh, September for the beginning of the rapid release of my thrillers. And then really, I just need to take the air and see what's happening with that. And, and the, the sci-fi can frankly go when they're ready. I don't matter. It doesn't matter when they go. Uh, the minute they're ready, they can go my own sci-fi book. So that really is dependent on if stroke when I get a book bub. Um, so lots and lots going on. Um, I am going to take April off from writing. April is just going to be editing and planning. And then I will hit the ground running in May, June, July, when I'll get 275k thrillers done. And then I will see which way the wind's blowing. But remember, there is that that mystery thing that's hovering that would stop me writing the two 75k thrillers. It would uh, change things quite considerably. If it does, I'll let you know. But it, that's how I'm planned in the meantime.
So I've alluded to a couple of things there. I have finally recommitted to 20 books in Edinburgh. Now, the reason I decided to recommit is um, I, I can see what my income is now. And, and I was adamant that I wasn't going to pay for 20 books until I knew I could get my reach my targets, which was to pay Stuart Bache for those covers. That's nearly £2,000 um, for, is it five or six covers, whatever I've commissioned with Stuart Bache for my thrillers. And that had to be objective number one. And why I ducked out of 20 books Edinburgh was I was having to pay 500 quid now before I'd even got the book bub you know before I even knew how well that book bub was going to go well I know the swing of book bum now um I, I've made my money I'm fine with it now so um uh you know I, I'm gonna make more than I thought I was um I, I do little projections so what we're 15 at the time of recording this we're halfway through the month I basically look at the daily income between Draft the Digital and Amazon for the first 15 days of the month. Um, I divide it by 15 to get an average daily rate. I times it by 31, and then I take 500 quid off each of those totals just to give myself a very defensive number that I'm going to have by the end of the month. So I know even with that defensive number, um, all bases are covered. So I have recommitted to 20 books now. I didn't, I, you know, I was kind of taking it right up to the deadline. Um, I bought uh the there were 14 tickets left i bought ticket 14 there are 13 left when i bought my ticket so that's 250 quid for 20 books to edinburgh i actually found better and cheaper accommodation would you believe uh, on booking.com and do you remember the gripe that i had last time is i booked on booking.com and i i I, when i go on booking.com i always go for one that's cancelable pretty well up to the last minute and one that doesn't take the fee off you and I'd been a bit careless with this, is that it had taken the 200 and something pounds off me. This is what made me bullshit. Um, I'd, I'd, they'd taken the 200 odd pounds off me, and then the 250 was just about to go out for the ticket. And I just thought, you know, that's 500 quid out my bank, and I want that for covers. So I cancelled the hotel. There was no penalty on the, on the, on the hotel, and they refunded me the 200 odd pounds that it had cost me, and I didn't buy the ticket. And that put 500 quid back in cash flow for me. Um, to sort of defensively manage my money to make sure I got the money for the Stuart Bache covers. And I descended, decided to wait. I mean, there are always tickets available at the last minute. There's always people having to cancel at the last minute. And so when I knew that, um, I'm so sure this week that, that, you know, I'm happy that the money's in the pot now. And also, by the way, signing the contract with John and James, I had paid out 700 quid for military sci-fi covers under the contract. They will refund me that 700 quid. So that's another 700 quid that I'd laid out already that has gone back into cash flow. Um, so, so because I was waiting to see whether we confirm that, I know now that 700 quid at some point is coming back into my cash flow. Um, so it, it just allows me to budget effectively and make sure I can hit all the things I want to hit. So uh, I was happy to recommit to 20 books, Edinburgh. I will let you know, but, um, one of the things that swayed it is that Jerry Evanoff, whose podcast I've recommended on several occasions, uh, Jerry does the new, new author podcast. And uh, Jerry is a listener to this podcast, I know. And um, Jerry had said he wasn't going to 20 books. And then he decided to, and he's booked in. So he's coming he's coming over from the States to 20 books Edinburgh. And, and of course, I'd cancel and I thought, oh, blimey, you know, I, I want to see... I want to see all my writing pals up in 20 books Edinburgh anyway, because there's loads of people that I know up there. And of course, you make new pals too. But when I heard that Jerry was going, I thought, and I'd said to Jerry, um, I'd heard on Jerry's podcast that he'd been at 20 books last year. He'd been completely off my radar. And um, Jerry says he's quite sort of shy, so he wouldn't have pushed himself forward. Um, but I was kind of thinking, oh, Jerry, you were you were there in London and I missed you. And, and then he, he announced on his podcast, because he wasn't going to come to 20 books Edinburgh, and he said, what the heck, I'm going. It's a real hike for Jerry to come over. 
um, from the States. But he's coming over to Edinburgh. He's playing a round of golf, I think, at St. Andrews, um, you know, while he's there. So he's making a trip of it. And when I heard that Jerry was coming, I thought, oh, God, I've, got, you know, I've got to go to 20 books. I can't let Jerry be up in Edinburgh, which is an hour's train journey for me and not go and say hello. So I was really getting this kind of FOMO, this fear of missing out with 20 books. So I've been watching my money, watching my money, watching my money. And then when we signed the contract last Saturday and I, and I did my accounts, I thought, right, I'm going. I want to make sure I see Jerry when he's there and everybody else. So I am booked in now. Um, incidentally, I got a better hotel and it's cheaper. It is actually university accommodation, but not that university accommodation. I'm, I think there's a couple of unis um, in Edinburgh, but it's it's not, the, I don't think it's the same uni. It is those student accommodations. Very nice, very modern and it's en suite uh, my wife's coming up with me for the weekend so we've got a double bed and an en suite you know proper private facilities uh, you know couple facilities I don't do sharing I'm too old to share now uh, I only share with my wife so I, and I don't do shared facilities so it's proper kind of Paul Teague hotel facilities uh, very modern um, it's about a 10 minute walk from the the venue for the weekend so if you want to know what it is if you're coming and you'd like to know um i'll let you know the other advantage of it was it's about 50 quid cheaper than the original accommodation i got and i don't have to pay for it until actually 20 books event so it keeps the 167 quid i think it was that it cost me for three days it's kept that in my bank account until right until the last minute until I actually check in. And it is cancelable too. I won't cancel now. You know, obviously, the only reason I cancel now is for some pressing family reason. Uh, I'm going to 20 books now. Um, so uh, if you want to know what that is, just let me know. I got it through booking.com, but I'm happy with my accommodation. And I also, you can tell how happy I am with the income for the book book at the moment and my cash flow, because I also booked uh, rail tickets for myself and my wife to Edinburgh and back. So we're going up on the Friday. My wife will finish work at two. So we'll be on a, a sort of early evening train, hopefully to join somebody or people for lunch or drinks or whatever on the Friday evening. And then I'll be there on the Saturday and Sunday. My wife's doing tourism stuff um, and I'll meet her back in the evenings at the, at the room, obviously. And then I'm going to go to 20 books and then uh, we'll stay on Sunday evening and we'll make our way back on the Monday morning. So we're there for the full kind of long weekend so I'm there Friday Saturday Sunday nights uh, so really looking forward to that and the other thing of that obviously that was pressing for this is it's a great opportunity um, John and James sort of live at different ends of the country to me uh, as you, you've heard me moan before pretty well everywhere is a hike from Cumbria unless you're going straight to London uh, in which case it's extremely expensive or in, if you go to Newcastle and Manchester they're up they're both finest destinations from here and to go to Glasgow and Edinburgh are oh, brilliant from here. They're just an hour on a nice virgin intercity train. Very comfortable. Train's always empty on those journeys. I say you're empty. There's loads of seats. It's always um, very quiet after Preston. Um, you know, so the, the train journey is always delightful after Preston in this part of the world. So I'm um, very happy to, you know, to do that. Uh, it's much easier for me to meet John and James um, at 20 Books, you know, to have a business discussion. They're both going. So we'll do that there. As you know, I passed on the book fair this year it's so darn expensive it, uh, you know to get the, the train travel and the accommodation massively expensive um to, to be down in, in in london but i think i must i must think about london seriously next year um it's four years since i've gone and things have changed since then you know you've always got the alliance of independent authors i'm better connected than i was um you know kinger at um published drive was wanting to chat uh, down there. Obviously, you've got Mark Dawson and James Blatt, who I'd love to see and meet in person. Uh, I know Joanna Penn's always there. So I kind of, when I went there originally, I knew no one, you know, I knew nothing, I knew no one, and I was kind of Billy Nomates. But I think if I went down there now, I think it would be a pretty good opportunity to meet up with people, to have lunch, to arrange meetings. So I think 
tentatively, I'm going to say that I'm going to try and make an effort to get to London Book Fair next year because there won't be any 20 books event either. Craig has said that um, after this, there are no European events. Um, it's going to be Vegas only. And wouldn't Vegas be nice? I was looking at Vegas thinking, Do you know what? You know, let's see how the money goes over the next year. But I wouldn't mind just as a personal aspiration to go to Vegas because it would be lovely to take my wife out there as well, um, you know, to do the Vegas thing, but also to, to meet a lot of the American writers, you know, people from all over the world gathering there. And because I've never been to Vegas, there's a lot of reasons why it would make a lot of sense to go to Vegas. So let's see how the money pans out over the next year, see how projects pan out. And I've got a kind of half, just a half aspiration to go to Vegas as much for personal reasons as professional reasons to do that. So I am going to 20 Books. And I'll see you there if you're going. And Jerry, <laughs> you, you were one of the pressing reasons that made me think I gotta go to that. I gotta meet Jerry. So Jerry, you and me, we meet. I don't care how shy you are. You're not getting away with it this time, Mister. Uh, you and me have got to go for a beer or something together, or, or a meal together. I, I want to say hello and sort of shake your hand and meet you because I'm really enjoying your podcast. And um, and I was disappointed that I, I missed you at the last one. So let's make a date of that. Okay. So. Um, Bookbub income has been good, as I've said. Um, it's paid for uh, one thousand eight hundred pounds Stuart Beige covers. It's going to pay for five hundred quid for a Who to Trust edit with Helen Vazal, who didn't edit it first time round. Uh, Two hundred fifty quid for twenty books. One hundred thirty quid for a return Edinburgh Rail Fair. One hundred sixty-seven quid for a hotel. That's what it's paid for so far. So just uh, I haven't really done the numbers, you know, but I can tell you, uh, you know, that's that's what a Bookbub's worth. A lot of cash flow. Uh, it gets things going. It's very, very handy. And the other thing I was saying to my wife was, is that, you know, if I ever stopped writing, you know, say, say I did these next three thrillers, that would give me 21 books. It would give me several trilogies. It would give me five trilogies. Trilogies are great to promote on Bookbub. Um, you know, it gives me many marketable products and ways that I can make money. I was just saying to my wife, you know, if I, if I just stopped writing there, so I just stop writing. So why I'm saying stop writing is because there would be no more expenditure around books. These things would be assets. I, wasn't, I wouldn't be writing anymore. I wouldn't have to bootstrap anything. I wouldn't be paying for covers. I wouldn't be paying for edits. There'd just be 21 books that I'd written that were my assets. And I just said to my wife, if, if I just kept on a cycle, at a monthly cycle, just kept submitting those for book bubs and say out of five trilogies, you got two two hits in a year, over a year. And each of those brought in at least £2,000. I said to my wife, you know, if nothing else, if I achieve nothing else out of this, I've achieved a means of paying for holidays every year out of out of something that I wrote so many years ago, out of assets that I've created in writing. Um, and that's something that I'm able to do right now. You know, that's not an aspiration, but I'm at that level now. So if I were to stop today, we, you know, we could create an income that would be very nice in our lives to allow us to go on holiday. But clearly the writing continues, the bootstrapping continues. I'm not taking income from the books. Everything I earn is ploughed back in to make them as good as possible. But it was just a kind of notional conversation that I was having with my wife uh, last week that, you know, with when you create books, you do create assets that can generate income for you for many years to come. Now, here's uh, something that you'll find very interesting. I withdrew three of my thrillers this week in preparation for this kind of rapid re-release plan. So Who to Trust, Burden of Guilt and One Fatal Error were removed from wide distribution this week and they are now on uh, KDP Select. So I've been out of KDP Select for some time now. Now here's the reasoning behind this. Um, those books have done nothing. 
The reason for that is, is that, you know, I'm rubbish at selling standalones. I haven't promoted them. I've made my money from Don't Tell Meg. So I've made a handful of sales, but negligible. And, and so I've kind of missed an opportunity with those books. Um, I haven't really done anything with them. So to be honest with you, it doesn't impact my income at all. If I, if I delist them, my aim with these books is to just uh, look at the feedback that I've got and make any tweaks with them. It's very easy to do that now. Everything's in vellum. I'm going to get some real quality covers put on them by Stuart Bache, and then they're going to become part of a rapid um, re-release strategy. They'll get new titles on them and I'll, and I'll re-release them. And what I'll try and do basically is market the blasted things properly because uh, I they just flopped out. I didn't do anything with them. I concentrated on Don't Tell Meg. So they, they haven't really had a good opportunity to kind of find an audience. I, I need to, to fix that because they're, you know, they're good books. They're perfectly reasonable books and, and I want them to find an audience. So this is in preparation for rapid re-release of thrillers later in the year. So um, I've put them on KDP Select because I want to try a few things with them prior to rapid re-release. I want to try a few things in KDP Select, uh, mainly reads. I, I want to see if I can sort of squeeze some reads out of these books. So I've got three months until June with these books to, to you know, until I have to consider whether I put them in, in KDP Select again. So if I put them in KDP Select again, it'll be June, it'll be July, August, September. So I probably will delist them at the end of June because I need them to sort of be fresh and revamped and off sale ready for the rapid re-release which will start in September and when I start with the thrillers that process will begin with so many lies the 90,000 word thriller that I wrote last year which hasn't even been released or formally edited yet that's getting edited in, in June July and that will be the first book that I start when I start my um my thriller release in September so so many lies will be the first one and then I will start to, to re-release re the other books, revamped completely around that. So they'll be in KDP for sake for three, three months. I'll do a weekly promo on them. I want to experiment with reads because reads is what I'm playing for with these re-releases. Now, if you remember, I, I created a seven pack of thrillers, which I was promoting whenever I gave away a free book in a, in a book funnel or a prolific works promotion. Now, because I'm in KDP Select, clearly I'm now not allowed to have those three books listed on any other channels, and I'm not allowed to put those books into a bundle of my own and sell it. So what I've had to do then is that not only have I delisted on Kobo, on Publish Drive, and on, what's the other one? Draft the Digital. So it's delisted everywhere else. Those three books are delisted everywhere now. I've now had to remove that seven pack thriller promo from all of the freebies that I had listed on prolific works and book funnel. Now that's really easy with, with vellum because I've got files for this. And all I did is I, I just created, um, I had all the files ready in actual fact. So where, I, where I'm giving away, um, I'm not, I'm not allowed to give away, uh, full versions of those books you're allowed to give away a 10% sample so I have 10% sample versions of my books uh, of first in series in prolific works and book funnel so I remove the seven pack promo in the 10% samples and then I also have full book first in series like don't tell Meg uh, that I that I give away and I removed it from those now clearly I can only I can still promote don't tell Meg because that's wide I could I could give away the full book in a in a in a free promotion um but I can't give away I can only give away 10% of who to trust burden of guilt and one fatal error so I've put everything right so that that's now KDP select legal and the seven pack omnibus will just have to be parked for a while. Now, again, it was another source of income, but not so much income that I'm not happy to sacrifice that to 
for a better, longer-term strategic decision, which is to get all of my thrillers selling and to try a rapid release with those thrillers. Uh, incidentally, Dead of Night is the promo book. Do you remember, again, you have to have good memory for this because there's so many things going on, but Dead of Night is the first standalone thriller I did, and it's a sort of a, kind of rocketing good read um, in that it doesn't hang around. It's a real nice, fast thriller. And do you remember me saying at the end of... Uh, the Forgotten Children, which is the last book in the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, I was determined to try and get some through sales on my standalones. So I put the first chapter of Dead of Night at the end of The Forgotten Children to see if I could encourage people who hopefully have enjoyed the books by that stage to say, well, I want to read more by Paul Teague and then to get them hooked on the next story because it doesn't hang around. You're pretty well hooked in the first chapter on Dead of Night. The kind of sort of inciting incident happens like the in the first sentence. <laughs> it's a really fast book, as I said. So um, I, I kind of set that one up. That I can't take that and put that on um, KDP Select yet. It has to stay wide because I'm still promoting it through the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, trying to get reads on it. But that will also come off at some point. It'll come off wide and it, it'll it probably get delisted and it'll get a new cover and possibly a new title. I'm reluctant to give that a new title because I like the title of Dead of Night. I have to come up with something you know, with three words that's just as good. But um, anyhow, I'll, I'll think about that. But that has to stay wide for now. Incidentally, I was looking at my stats because I'd forgotten that I, I, I'm hopefully seeing some extra take-up on Dead of Night. And although it's not a huge take-up, there is evidence now of people reading through from the final book of the Don't Tell Meg trilogy. I am selling more Dead of Nights than, than I was before, which is great. So hopefully, hopefully, we found a way of moving people onto standalone books now. I wanted to mention that I've been listening to Brian Cohen's uh, new podcast, which is, what is it? Something like, something marketers... Oh, Brian, you need to come up with a better title, man. I can't remember it. It's it's about Amazon ads anyway. And uh, I've been listening to this and listening to Brian's experiments. And Brian uh, mentioned how good auto-targeting ads are on Amazon. So, and, and he's right. I've, I've had good success with those. So I, I switched on my auto targeting ads again this week and, and switched all the good performing ads back, but I'm not putting, um, obviously I don't like, uh, they're not working. And he, he said they're not working. They're too expensive. You know, the, um, the lock screen ads. I haven't heard anybody's making those work yet. So I've, I've taken those off until I do. And the other thing I want to do over the weekend, if I get time is now I've got, um, those three thrillers on, um, KDP select. I want to advertise to the books individually because I want to see if now I can get read through. So at the moment, because all my books are in wide, I'm sort of paying for adverts to, um, to Amazon, but I could only get the benefit of sales. I haven't been able to get the benefit of read through. So I want to see about, um, this is the kind of tests I'm doing ahead of my rapid re-release. I want to set up a series of Amazon adverts specifically to those three KDP Select novels now to see whether I can increase my return on investment through reads as well. Um, because, you know, reads, um, when I did my Amazon only Don't Tell Meg book bub, reads were 50% of my income. So I'm, I'm really, I'm looking at reads again. I'm revisiting reads because they can be very, very lucrative. I did mention that the secret bunker is getting resubmitted to BookBub again on Wednesday the twentieth. Fingers crossed. And actually, I, I I burrowed a bit deeper into my my BookBub uh, console, uh, console uh, my dashboard, and and I actually realised that uh, the secret bunker has actually been rejected twelve times. Uh, it's my most rejected book. Uh, the grid was rejected five times before being accepted, and. Um, then what, what else? Uh, Don't Tell Meg was selected first time, 
but has been rejected once. So it, it got selected straight away, even though it wasn't wide. And then the second time I submitted it, it got rejected. And then the third time it got accepted again. So uh, Don't Tell Meg's done well. They seem to like that book. Uh, the grid got rejected five times and then they let it in. Let's see if they let it in again when I submit it in April. And then The Secret Bunker is the one I want to get in. Come on, guys. Come on. Let me have The Secret Bunker. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a great book. It's been revamped. Let's see if I can get The Secret Bunker in. Will it be 13 times lucky? I'll let you know as soon as they give me a result. I, I made a minor change. This is not really about writing. It's more about business, but you might find this useful. Um, as a sole trader, and when you use MailerLite and MailChimp, you have to have a um, an address to, to put on your, your emails. And it's good practice, really, to have an address on your websites. And uh, when you own domain names, you have to have an address listed. And for privacy reasons, ever since I've started as a sole trader, I don't want my home address in there. I don't want my home address anywhere connected with the business. So I've always, I started my business with a PO box number, which used to be okay. There used to be a hundred quid uh, in 2000 and nine 2008 2009 when I first set up a sole trader business uh, but they're much more expensive now then I went to when I left the BBC I had a uh, an office space arrangement because I was having a lot of meetings about my um I, I used to have off-station meetings about my redundancy and whether I was going to continue my career break so I, I, I had a bit of office space there when I was not really quite sure what my business was going to be it wasn't very expensive but they used to handle my mail when I stopped that and realized I didn't need office space I moved to a service in Manchester, which I use for ages, but I get no posts, whatever. Now, if I get two letters a year, you know, that's it. Uh, but I still need to have this address. So I started looking around for an alternative. I found one that I liked a lot, but I didn't like the address. It was, I, I just like a kind of generic office address, almost like a, you know, PO box three London and then a postcode. I like something like that really, um, for a virtual address. And this one had me in East Finchley. And I decided I had a bit of time last night um, and I, I had a backup and I looked at the backup and I, and I thought, right, I'm going for this. And I just wanted to recommend it to you because it does everything you need for a sole trader business address. And it doesn't cost you anything either. So the, the site is ukpostbox.com and it's pay as you go. So what you get is effectively what they give you is um, they give you a, a business address. And let me just tell you what my new business address is. I'll, I'll just find it it's at the bottom of my my um, websites now. So my virtual mailing address is Paul T. Clixio, Suite 17831, PO Box 4336, Manchester, M61, 0BW. Now, if you sent me a letter there, it would get, um, I'd get a notification to say you've got a letter. And, I, and you could choose whether you want the, the envelope scanned or the envelope of the first page of whatever's inside it scanned uh, or the whole thing scanned, or you want it forwarded to you. And you don't pay anything, not even for the address until something actually comes in. Now, most of the stuff I get is just gobbledygook and nonsense. So they can sort of scan the envelope or the first page and you can say, that's nonsense, just shred it. And they shred it for you. So it's gone. And so you don't even have to pay for the postage. And you pay about one pound per item of post and it's pay as you go. So not only have I got that business address, which is now on my invoices and everywhere for free, you get the business address for free. I've topped it up with 10 quid pay-as-you-go credit, which I didn't even have to do. And it could just sit there until I get some posts. And I probably won't even get some posts for ages. So it's absolutely brilliant. And you can customise the address. So long as you've got that number, not the PO box, you've got to have the PO box bit in. Um, so long as you've got the kind of the suite number, you can call it office. You, um, so there's my suite's 17831. I can say unit. I can say suite. I can say, you know, office. 
you could just put whatever you want in the address so long as you've got the core component. So all they care about is that number, that 17831, because that attaches the post to my account. So I just wanted to mention that to you because as sole traders, that's a really good solution for a virtual office address. It's ukpostbox.com. Um, you know, hi highly recommended because you always need a virtual address and I recommend you don't use your home address. Um, you know, if you're a publishing company, you need it for your domain names, you have to have an address and you have to put an address on your emails to be GDPR compliant. So this is a really good solution, I think. And that's why I've mentioned it in this diary. And um, that's nearly it for this week. Just one more recommendation for you. Dave Goffran, Goffran, I'm never quite sure how to say the name, uh, who I interviewed, by the way, in episode 37 of this podcast. Uh, Dave's well known among indie circles and provides a lot of value for indie authors like us. He's got a new BookBub ads expert book out. And I'd seen this advertised. But I can't remember where I saw it. And I thought, do you know, what? you know, because I'm restricted from Facebook at the moment, this is really important stuff. But I bought Dave's BookBub uh, book and I've been reading it this week. And I've got to tell you, it is the best resource I have found for BookBub ads. Dave writes in a style which completely suits the way I wanted to learn. So you've heard me moan to you about um, Brian Meeks's book, which is, you know, full of data and information. But I just like books that say, do this, do this. This is what you do. Follow this step. Do that. This is how you can tell whether it's successful. This is how you choose how to do this, that or the other. I just like it. I don't, you know, I don't want a lot of numbers. I don't want a lot of geekery. I just want a step-by-step -step guide. And then I want somebody to say, if it does this, do that. If it doesn't do that, do this. You know, that's what I want. And Dave's guide is exactly that. It is the best guide I have seen to BookBub ads. And, and you know, I've been doing BookBub ads and it's already taught me loads of stuff I didn't know. Um, and you know, you, you're having all those dull moments. It is absolutely excellent. Okay. So if you have done BookBub ads and you failed or you haven't tried them yet, okay, get Dave's book. This is, a, you, know, you don't very often hear me giving you massive steers like this, where I'm so confident that what, of what I'm telling you, you know, that I, I'm making it a Paul Teague recommendation. Get Dave Gochran's book. BookBub Ads Expert. It is the best guide I've seen to BookBub Ads. I'm halfway through it and it's already doubled my knowledge already. I'm just like, I'm dying to get in. But you keep saying, don't jump in yet until you've read the book. So I'm not. And, and it, and do you know what? I'd, I, you know, shame on me for this, but, um, I, I've been aware that Dave has written a book called Amazon Decoded some time ago and he gives this book away for free, for goodness sake. And I'd sort of thought, oh, it's another book about Amazon. I'm not, um, you know, I've not been having any success with Amazon books. Um, and, you know, people keep telling me that they, they work, but I don't see much evidence of it. I can get them, I can get them, I get all the numbers right. I just can't do the volume on them. Um, I'm happy with the numbers and it's fine ticket away. I just can't get any volume and I, I need some volume. And, um, and so because Dave's book, Bubba ads book is so excellent. I just thought, what am I doing? Not getting this Amazon decoded book, which is free. You just have to sign up for Dave's list, which I'm already on incidentally. So I had to re-sign up for his list to get this book. And I'm, I'm going to read the book, book one, which I'm nearly finished. And then I'm going to read the Amazon one because the book, book one is so good. I'm assuming the Amazon one is going to be as good as that, you know, step by step by step. And I'm hoping that um, I'm sort of relying on Dave to give me the kind of information to fill in the gaps. But Dave speaks my language. I mean, he's talking about split testing, return on investment, how to measure return on investment. You know, I, I, I know I know all of these things, but sometimes you need to be reminded of them. And his step by step process, his systems, his way of finding an audience, of testing, there is there is gold in our Hills, everybody. So I am giving you a very strong steer to buy BookBub Ads Expert. Whether you think you know it all already, like I did, I don't know anything. 
uh, about book ads. Not after, you know, not since reading Dave's book. It's brilliant. So hopefully that's a very enthusiastic steer for you to encourage you to go and buy that book. It's very good. And, um, I'll just let you know, actually, that I, you know, I really, I'm just waiting really to find out about this, you know, this last thing I told you about at the beginning of the podcast. I'm waiting to see because it could, it could change things quite a lot for me. And I'm just waiting to hear where we're up to with it and if it's going to go ahead. But, um, I was just thinking the other day, I got a whole list of people that I want to be interviewing again for this podcast. And also because I've had this three months of doing nothing but writing and editing, I was thinking the other day, you know, I quite enjoyed it when I had a podcast interview to do of an evening. I don't really massively enjoy, you know, doing, doing editing in the evening because I'm tired. Um, whereas I did enjoy doing the interviews and I was beginning to think, do you know what? I might, I'm quite tempted to come back to monthly interviews again on the podcast. There's a lot of people I want to talk to. Um, Adam Nichols, I desperately want to talk to. He's just got married and he's on his honeymoon at the moment. So I'm hoping that he'll be receptive. When he's got the wedding out, though, I'm hoping he might be receptive. I was thinking that I might, I'd quite like to talk to Craig Martell about the 20 books Edinburgh before we, before we do it to, to get everybody enthused for that. I'd like to talk to Kinga at Publish Drive. Who else did I put on my list? I made a little list the other day. Oh, I've lost it. Yeah, I've lost it. I've, I've pinned it somewhere safe and I can't find it now. But I thought, oh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of people I'd like to talk to. And I was thinking, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in the zone. I'm in the zone. If I'm not writing in sort of April and, and I'm doing a more relaxed pace of writing from May, I was considering bringing back monthly podcast interviews because I quite miss them. And I like being able to talk to people. Oh, Dave Cochran was the other one. I want to talk to Dave about that book, bub, um, book as well. Cause it's brilliant and I want to share it with you. So, um, I, I, no, just to let you know, I like, I like to let you know what my thoughts are on this. So possibly, possibly April, May, possibly monthly podcast interviews coming back again. And, you know, we don't have to do it forever. I mean, the thing about this podcast is, is that the diaries go on week to week. I, I can sort of do a season of the, of the interviews and, and then sort of pause them for a moment. But I, I think we'll all be fresher, frankly, for a small break from those interviews. But monthly, monthly interviews, I'm quite tempted. I'll let you know. Watch this space. That's it for another diary. I will be up to 40,000 words by the time I speak to you next week, all things being equal. So I hope you have a great week of writing or editing, whatever it is in your author business that you're doing. And I'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.